Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. Bible this morning. My gosh, you got your coffee, you got your Bibles, it's first service, we're in church, somehow this turned into California, like every morning is like this marine layer of clouds and it burns off, we'll take it though, we'll take it and here I am, the old man talking about weather again and that's what you do when you get as old as I do, I am as old as I do and uh, how good was last Sunday, it was awesome, it was incredible, we just had three full services, it was great, got to worship it was like an exercise in how much we could get in uh, in each service, and uh, it was a bit um, overwhelming, but we dedicated babies. We, we just did about everything and um, went home, and uh, what am I, I need to stop talking here. Okay, let's go to the Bible. We're on a series called Activate Church, floral, and um, it is beautiful. We've got shirts. We have pins. I don't know if you've noticed, but we have pins. We have finally arrived it is the moment. I looked up in Wikipedia when churches have arrived, and it's pens. It's when you have pens. So I'm kidding. But anyways, we do have pens and uh, a man. I want to go to, um, well, I'm in the wrong book. Let's go to the book of Hebrews real quick. And I do encourage you, this is simply a series about faith, which is simply a series about the word, which is simply, no, is, is, is just the Bible, is, is, is the word of God. He is the word. But let this be a season where you buy a new Bible. If you've got an app on your phone, that's amazing. It's awesome. I, I do recommend just, just realistically, like I do with prayer, you can pray at any time of the day, but the easiest time is just in the morning because it's the most controllable time. Uh, the rest of the day, can be additional, can be whatever, and I just sound really legalistic right now, so may God flow, and you can do whatever you want, it's a free country. I'm just sharing that the mornings typically are just the easiest time to uh, predict and control, but um, get a Bible, get a message Bible, if you've never read through the message Bible, it's kind of what I'm doing right now, is just cruise through the, the Bible, and guess what, it doesn't have to take 10 years, it can actually just take a couple months. If, uh, if you just get excited and go after it. And uh, Hebrews chapter 3. I want to read this verse. We've read it before, but this is kind of where we're at. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19. This is the reason. This is what the Bible records. And I, I preach from the Bible. Okay? So you know, the good book. The Bible. Uh, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. That I'm not preaching my own stuff, even though obviously it's my interpretation. In uh, my, I guess, perspective. Um, but oftentimes, we just need to remind ourselves that I don't just make up some outlines and then try to find verses to support it. I do try to go to the Bible first and pull out a big Bible where it's called exegesis. You pull out uh, from what is in the Scripture. And the Bible records this, this story that we've been looking at about the children of Israel. And um, the Bible records this about the children of Israel. And I'm taking a big dramatic moment here because you have to understand, just like you and me, if I was the children of Israel and I was interviewed or we interviewed the children of Israel, we would, we would I think, hear them say, when asked the question, why didn't you go into the promised land? 
Why didn't you go into the fullness of God? Why didn't you get a hold of everything God had for you? Promise land for us is the promises of God. So why didn't you get the, all that God had for you, Christian? Why didn't you take every opportunity to fully possess all that God had for you? Just like the children of Israel, they would they say, they, they said the giants are alive. They even said they were victims, which is beautiful. I think a lot of times we're like, I'm not a victim. But, but, but what we say is, well, because of that person or because of this situation, I am where I'm at. Well, the Bible clearly says, no, you're not there because of someone else. You're there because of you. Now, that's hard. It's difficult. It's crazy. But the Bible records the reason they didn't go in, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of the giants. No. Because of dysfunctional family. No. Because of money. No. Because of lack of college degree. No. Because of being short, fat. Big nose, big ears, no. Friends, college, high school, you get the point. It's getting old. They could not enter in because of unbelief. And that's where we're at this morning. So I want to pick up the story that we've been reading. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. Now, they've already spied out the land. They've come back. Now, all 12 spies agree that the promises of God are good. Just like most Christians, man, this is the good book. From Catholics to Presbyterians to Charismatics, pretty much, man, this is the good book. This is, you know what, hey, this is the promises of God. Where we defer is when we pick up in chapter 14, that 10 of the spies are like, but we're not able. And two of the spies are like, We can. We're not able. It's not for me. And the reason they give is not because of their unbelief. Very rarely is the person, when you ask them, hey, how come you're not walking in the fullness of God? Oh, unbelief. Most people are not honest. We're all pretty much victims. Hey, how come you're not serving in church? This church? I don't know. It's not quite the church that I would really give myself to. You know, kind of waiting for, to see, kind of, hey, how, how come your marriage isn't like, woo? Very rarely is the human being that's like, unbelief. <laughs> like the basketball player, you know, my bad, my bad. Very rarely is the person that's like, my bad. Hey, how's your life going? My bad. It's usually your bad. The boss, the church, the parents, the people, the friends, on and on and on, the dog and the cat. So, we have to look at this. Because I want all of us to enter the promised land. Amen? The idea is to actually receive all that God is giving to us and actually come out of being a victim. Now, we might not say, hey, I'm a victim. I think I'm living as a victim in my life. But again, code language for victim is blame. Is, well... The reason I'm here and where I'm at and what I'm going through is because my wife, you know, my wife is crazy. My, my husband's stubborn. My family's dysfunctional. Uh, my city, I live in Portland, Vancouver. Come on, this is the Northwest. This is hipsters. We literally were walking down a trail last night, and, a, and this wonderful woman was just smoking a joint as we were walking down the street. I was like, hey, it's the new normal. It was, I mean, she looked happy, too. It was, it was great. I was so funny. Just, hey, how you doing? Just walking my dog, kids. He's like, Dad, what's that smell? Oh, it's just, you know, it's just beautiful smoke, and it's all legal. It's all cool. It's just, a, it's just crazy. But in this city, 
here we are reaching people. And I need to focus. Time is cruising. I didn't preach last week. I feel so random. I'm like, you know what else I was thinking too about another random thought? Like, it's like, I should have just grabbed a stool and just talked today. Hey, any questions, questions this morning? All right. Let me see if I can, I can get through this this morning. Amen. All right. Chapter number 14, verse 1. So they come back. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. Perfect. Perfect. We worked on that. It was good. <laughs> the voices and cried, and the people, the people wept that night. So the people are crying and weeping. The people are mourning. They're frustrated. They're they're, they're, they're grieving the loss of the promised land. This is, this is what they're going through. And, and all the children of Israel complained. The complaining was based on their weeping and their mourning and the emotion that they're feeling. They're feeling the loss and the, and the frustration and the, and the reality that they're not, they're not going to go in to, to the promised land. Land, even though God said very clearly, I want to give it to you, I want to give it to you. But their expectations, their expectations were failed. They didn't expect to have so many problems in their promise. And such it is with us. Expectations kill us. It's not faith. Expectations often, now they're good expectations, I guess, based upon the word of God. But a lot of the times, expectations of the flesh just set us up for, how many times have we said, I didn't think marriage was going to be like this. I didn't think church is going to be. I expected ministry to look like this. I expected. You know how many times I sit with young leaders and they're like, man, I'm just waiting for ministry. I'm like, waiting? Waiting for what? Someone to hand you a church? Hey, here's a brand new building with $10 million budget. Thus saith the Lord, here you go. Hey, I think people literally are waiting for, for ministry opportunities when they're not, they're not understanding that the ministry opportunities are right there in front of them. Even some people in this room are waiting. It's like, you don't need to wait anymore. There's people in this room that need you. A lot of times, we're, well, I'm just waiting for more small groups. Great! There's people in here right now that are in a worse situation than, than you, and they need your prayer, they need your love, they need your hug, they need you. And yet we're, we're waiting, and they're, they're grieving because it, the, the promised lamb is not what they expected, even though God wanted to give it to them. And they started to complain. And I think a lot of times, again, we don't see ourselves in this group of people. We see them as crazy. How could they not believe? How could they not believe? And yet here we are oftentimes complaining, but we call it, you know, just venting. I'm just sharing. I'm just, hey, would you, I'm just letting you know about Activate or about this other church I was a part of. Would you just pray for me? And really, though, you're just gossiping. You're full of offense and unforgiveness, and you don't know what to do. And so we call it because I'm not. I'm not a victim. I'm not a part of this crazy generation that died in the wilderness. No, I'm a Joshua and Caleb. And we love to see ourselves as the prince and the princess in the story. And that's, that's good, as you should, um, in Jesus. But here we are looking at this, and we've got to now filter through Hebrews saying, hey, just so you know, you're not entering in. You're not a victim. You're not a victim. You're not entering in because of unbelief. That's unbelief. No, it's the giants, and that's unbelief. No, it's my mom. No, it's it's unbelief. And the hard part about this story, and please understand me, this is maybe a little, this is maybe supposed to be my close, and here I am starting out the message maybe a little intense or a little whatever, but Jared got all weepy and cray, so here we go. Um, There's so many babies, and no one's sleeping, and it's summer, and anyways. 
um, is, is, I even just forgot my thought, praise the Lord, that was, that was beautiful, I don't even know where I'm at, but what was I talking about, unbelief, or it was a side thought, and the Lord has moved me on, that's good, okay, so I literally, I was like, Neep. okay, I don't know what I'm talking about, all right, verse 2, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only, oh yeah, it just came back to me, all right, cool, is this is real. I'm not up here to mock trials and to mock what you're going through. And I just want to say that because it's real. Planting a church is real. Um, life is real. Death is real. I've, had, I've lost loved ones. It's, it's not funny. <laughs> it's the, the darkest season of life. Finances are not funny. I mean, we're sitting here, and you got a miracle, and miracles are in it. The, the journey, though, no one's sitting here to say it's easy when you get the $5,000 bill, when you get the, I've gotten letters from the IRS. Those are not good days. I've been audited. Um, it, it's not like it's fun. Loss is not fun. This isn't, this isn't, I just want you to know, this is not our church becoming a faith church so that we just have like this cross-eyed look when you start to open up like, and we just quote scriptures at each other, you know? This isn't, this isn't that. This isn't some place where we're like, get over it! Yeah. This is a place of faith! So it doesn't mean it's a place of honesty, and it doesn't mean it's a place of vulnerability. And No, it absolutely is. The church should be the most raw and organic and just place where you can bear your soul, bear your heart, weep with those who weep. And, and, and Jesus so much so did that. Because, see, when sin entered the world, he'd never, under, he'd never lived among sin. So God had to, become, he had to become, he had to become sin. He had to take on our sin to relate to us. And so God walks amongst us so he could say, I relate to you now. That's how much God needed to relate to us and understand what we're going through. He, he needed to feel what it was to be offended and, 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 and stabbed in the back and betrayed and, and, to, and, to, and to sit up on that cross with the sins of the world and be separated from his father. Through, he needed to experience that. He needed to experience his flesh being ripped off his body so he could say, I get it. I'm with, I, I, I know what you're going through. And, not but, but and, I'm the way though, the truth and the life. And, and there's hope and there's faith in Jesus. I want you to know this is not a message of get over it, it's all good, come on, please. No, no. But yet, the people are weeping and crying because they've never been in such a dark situation. And it says, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or only if we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us into the land? And so why again, as Jerry was saying, is, is, is what, why are you taking this, God? Why are you taking this? And God reminded them, it's not about what I'm taking, it's about what I'm giving to you. I'm trying to give you something. It doesn't feel like that, God. You're trying, to, you're trying to kill us. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. You can't make this stuff up. This is so good. Let's go back. That's what it feels like. I want to return to normalcy. When a lot of us come from dysfunction or we come from certain environments and family and life, we just want to, re- we just want to feel normal. Even if it's broken, we are tired of the fight and the strain that life takes, especially when you're trying to possess promises. It's bloody. And it, it, it's crazy and it's intense when you're breaking generational curses and you're starting a new legacy for your family. Some of you even come in this morning to church is you are literally starting a legacy of your family and church and your kids growing up in church and around Jesus and the family of God. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. 
They said, we're victims. Let us select a leader. Verse 6, and then Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes. So they were pretty serious about this. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Only only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the Lamb, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear. You can imagine like a William Wallace speech. I mean, they're ripping clothes, painting his face blue. He's got the horse, and he's like, Freedom! Right? He's got the whole speech going on. But instead of like... Like the movies where everyone's like, yeah! you know, hitting the swords, hitting the shields, going, let's go up. They picked up stones and said, let's kill them. I mean, what a mo- moment I want to see on a movie. Uh, probably the greatest speech by one. We're talking about Caleb at 85 who said, give me that mountain. I want to go to war. This was a bad, bad man in a good way. This man could kill people and he had faith. I mean, and God on his side. He gave a speech, tearing his clothes. And the people said, kill him. Let's kill him. Whew. What happened in that moment? Let's talk about it. I got no time, but let's preach this. Amen. The promise is the problem. The promise is the problem. You got 99 problems, and you think faith ain't one. You don't have 99 problems. You've got one. You've got one. The Bible clearly says you are not entering in because of unbelief. You're not a victim. So this morning we take a hold of our unbelief and our faith and we say, okay, Jesus, okay, Bible, okay, God, that, that my one problem is with the promise. I want to be focused and I want what you have. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for church. God, we thank you that we don't have to do life alone. And we pray for faith, Lord, in this moment. God, we pray for excitement. We pray for a stirring of the promises of God. Lord, even for some of us, we've been let down by life, expectations. It's all real. It's all real. The pain and the emotion, it's, it's, it's dark. It's real. It's, it's isolating. It's intense. Lord, it feels like life is killing and suffocating us at times. But God, we know that there's hope in you. And there's hope in your word. And we thank you for that this morning. We're not in denial. God, we're just dependent upon grace like never before. And we pray for faith because faith is all about grace. Faith is so into grace. It's all about you, Jesus. We thank you for that in your name. Amen. 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 All right, quickly, my cute little not-so-funny story here real quick. Um, I, uh, I was thinking about how in life, I think there's a tendency, I don't know if it's the way we're wired, but the flesh, if you've noticed um, how how aggravating, especially with like traffic now, right? We got like traffic now in Portland. And so, you, I mean, it's like Wednesday afternoon and I can't even, you know, get in. But when, when you're trying to get into traffic and no one will let you in, and it's like four cars. And, you, and now I'm not a tough guy, obviously. I don't think that's hard to understand about me. I'm not, I'm not the guy that's like, you know, I'm the guy that walks away, you know, in, in, in school. I'm not the guy that step up to the bully. I just go to the principal's, principal's office. The pen is mired in the sword. Amen. I'm just going to tell on you and get you in trouble. Get someone, <laughs> someone with a gun to take care of you. But uh, I, I just kind of walk away. But I'm not the tough guy. But what's funny about in traffic is if no one's going to let me in, I find myself, like, giving the evil eye. And I don't even mean to. I'm not even the tough guy. I'm just in my little Jetta. You know, it's basically a girl's car. And I'm just, like, cruising. I'm listening to worship. But no one's let me in. It's like, like, I feel like staring you down. 
But the, the opposite side is if I'm sort of, you know, t- and trying to get somewhere and everyone's getting in and it's all crazy and I see someone kind of, you know, just coming the way. It's like, no, you're not. You're going to wait your turn. You're going to wait your turn, you know. I, it's amazing to me, even at 39 years old and as, as much of Jesus as I have in me, I love Jesus and I love the Bible and I love prayer and I feel like God's good. And it's amazing, though, how hypocritical I can be. I, it's amazing to me in marriage and in life. When I'm sharing my heart, I feel like I'm just being vulnerable and honest and real and transparent. But sometimes when people are talking to me, it feels like you're being rude and mean and you're kind of attacking me and you're kind of blaming me. And I'm a little confused because I really love you and I've tried really hard and I don't know about all this stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing how awesome it is to give someone a health tip. You ever notice, like, I got some friends trying to get in shape, and man, every time I'm with them, though, it's like burgers and donuts, and like everything in you, like they're eating the salad with, you know, fried chicken on it, though, and lots of like a cup of ranch dressing, and they're like, I don't know why I'm losing, I'm not losing weight. And you just want to be like, um, it's a lot of ranch, man. It's a lot of ranch. Like, you don't have a cheat day. You don't, you're, you're like, your cheat day is like eating a salad. Like, you eat horrible all week long. But they'll sit there and be like, I'm so confused. I don't know why. But when someone gives me a tip, I'm having a, a bad day and I'm eating on a donut. And I'm like, man, I just can't lose weight. You know, it's so hard. Have you ever had someone like super, super young? Okay. I'm talking like 12 here, 14. I'm 39. I've been through a few seasons with the gym and with food and with cholesterol and all that kind of stuff. And some little punk kid, God bless him, like tells you the thing about life. Well, what you need to do, Isaac, is you just need to make a decision. You know, you just got to eat clean, man. Stop eating sugar, you know. And you're like, that's cute, man. Come here. Come here. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's wait till you have kids and start a church and move to Australia and, you know, and you just want to tell them what's up. You just kind of want to give them the real story. You got some, you know, 12-year-old kid talking about saving money is easy because you just need to make a decision to save. And learn to say no to certain things. And you're like, oh, get over here. And I, without even knowing it, launch into a speech of depression. You know, wait till you get older and you got real problems, buddy. It's not that easy taking your family and buying houses and selling houses in the greatest recession, you know, that we've ever seen in our lifetime. And all of a sudden I launch into a 30 minute speech and the kid's like, ah, you know, don't tell me I got to cancel my internet and cancel my cable and not shop. And those are things I have to do. And all of a sudden, without knowing, really, we start to set ourselves up for where I am and what I believe and the things I'm going through is I'm a victim. I, I'm going through stuff and, and without knowing it, I'm having this confession of unbelief saying I'm where I'm at, not because of me. I'm where I'm at because of donuts and kids and travel and moving and church planning. I'm, I'm chubby because of you. It's not easy being a pastor. And that's where we go. And so when someone reminds us of, hey, you know, you just got to run. When's the last time someone gave you like a, a, a problem? I'm not talking about the idiots who just throw around cliches and hot tips and they're weird. And they're, I'm talking about even someone good, someone that you love, someone you have a relationship with. And they're just like, hey, just remember, you know, you're having a big day of anxiety and worry, you know. Jared's sitting there having a baby. And you just come along and you're like, man, don't worry, it's going to be okay. When's the last time your spirit went, yeah, 
A, a lot of times we just go, like, no, duh. Thank you. Someone's going through a big, anxious, you know, worrying season. You're like, remember, cast all your cares upon him. Okay? God, I'm dealing with so much fear. My job, and my, my wife's pregnant, and da, 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 da. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I got an extra poster at home if you want it. You know? It feels like, how dare you? But yet, when you go to really, and I'm not talking about condemning someone, when you go to really help someone, and you really feel like you want to give someone a promise book or a, a message, you know, from T.D. Jakes about faith, you're like, I really hope this helps you. But you feel like if you do that for someone, it's going to be sending a message of like, you know, I'm pointing the finger at you. But I don't, I don't, but it can be easy to want to help someone do that because it's so clear and it's so honest. But yet when someone does it to us, and I mean in a good way, it can still just be like, what's, what is that? It's the reaction of, you don't understand. You don't understand what I've been through and what I'm going through. You don't understand, and I'll get right to the point, the giants that I'm facing. And that's what these people were going through, is you don't understand the pain and the trauma of my past and what I have fought. I have fought some big things already in my life. I got through the Red Sea. We got through hunger. We got through uh, being dehydrated. You can imagine the journey. I grew up as a slave. My daddy was a slave. My grandma was a slave. My great-great-great-grandma was a slave. I'm talking about Egypt and these people. And they came through to the moment of expectation. And it was too much. Because this was probably the biggest thing they'd ever faced. And they said, man, you don't understand. You don't understand. And they were not excited about Joshua and Caleb's speech of faith. They were irritated and angry, so much so that they wanted to kill them. But it's the same emotion in us. We get angry, irritated. See, even during this series, there's a lot of times I'm probably saying stuff, and it's like, hmm, a little irritating. I'm glad Isaac's happy. You know, married Carrie, started a church. I don't know, probably probably pretty easy, and went to Australia. How awesome is that? You know, he's been in the ministry his whole life, just drinks cups of coffee and reads his Bible and gets up once a week. It sounds pretty cool. But he's so easily preaching. But he doesn't know who I married, and he doesn't know the loss that I've had, and he doesn't know the church I came from, and he doesn't. And, and there can be this victim sort of irritation when we get around the promises of God. Now, again, I understand for all of us, we've, we've met Mr. Revival, Mr. Faith, Mr. and Mrs. Cliche, and kind of weird. And I'm not talking about that. Those are, those are people. I'm talking about the promises of God, and I'm talking about the prophetic call on your life. I'm talking about what Jesus died for. I'm talking about the, full, the fullness of God. I'm talking about the promises and the grace. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit for your life. When oftentimes we encounter it, and it comes intimate, and it becomes personal, and it becomes real, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon you and says, now, today is the day of salvation. We often make a decision of, I'm not ready I've been through too much. No one understands. It's a little difficult. And what happens is it doesn't hit our expectations of what deliverance and what the promised land should look like. But it comes in the way of saying sorry to someone you love or serving on kids ministry or taking someone out to lunch today. Right now. The Bible says if you want friends, be a friend. 
But there we go, leaving church every Sunday, go, man, I thought this was a love church. I don't know how friendly it really is. Constantly in a victim mode of the world is against me. Everyone is not for me. And no one understands what I've been through. And there's God saying, absolutely, you're right. No one knows. Only Jesus knows. And you can come to him anytime. And he wants to take your burden. And he wants to heal and he wants to touch. Now, when I read this, it confused me because these people are actually not as bad as the Bible makes them out to be. These are actually church-going people. They're actually believers. They know how to repent. They know how to praise. They know how to worship. They know how to complain and pray. <laughs> God, we're hungry. God brings the miracle. You know how much they probably thought it was their prayer that brought that? God, we're thirsty. Bam, water out of a rock. They're like, yes, it worked. Thank you, God. They knew how to do church. Their problem wasn't in what we're doing right now. Their problem was that this was the darkest moment of their life. Okay? They, they, they're, 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 they're expecting to go into this moment into the promised land to build homes and have gardens and raise their kids and peace and start a life, coming out of being a slave into just having their own life and this is crazy and having freedom and being able to do life and just do the whole thing. Their whole expectation was just, this is, this is my moment. And instead of being this, this incredible moment of blessing and love and peace, it was a moment of war. It was the biggest giants they ever seen, the sons of Anak. This is probably the biggest giants to ever walk on planet Earth. So this is, this is the biggest, darkest, scariest moment of their life. So you can imagine the context. They're weeping all night. I mean, when you weep all night, that's pretty serious. This is, this is serious grieving, and that's why I don't make light of it. This is, for them, also a very real moment. Like, we're going to die. We're slaves, not soldiers. What does God expect from us? And so in this moment of grieving, in this moment of loss, in this moment of we're going to die, in this moment of we got to go to war, you know how many cities there was to conquer in the promised land? Multiple cities. City after city. And some of the strongest empires to ever rule in human history were during this time period. We're talking about, we're talking about chariots and mountain castles and I mean everything that you've ever seen in the movies of the worst of the worst. Each city was like, I mean, there's some there's some cities when you study them were like masters of torture. I mean, they were like the worst of the worst in history, what they would do to people. This is what we're talking about. So this was a moment where they go, what? This is the promised land? This is crazy. This is over. This is intense. So it's at this moment of intensity, it's at this moment of, of pressure that Joshua and Caleb start quoting scripture. It's not in church. It's not in a happy moment of come over for tea and coffee. It was when you get the text message. It's when you lost your job. It's when someone talked about, it's when, it's when that person died. It's when your, when your business split up. We're talking about the worst moment you've ever experienced. It's at that moment that Joshua and Caleb said, he wants to give us the land. He wants to give us the land. It's at this moment they wanted to start singing and quoting scripture and having church. They wanted to have church at the darkest moment in these people's lives. That's why they were irritated. That's why they're irritated is because they were in a moment and, and they're grieving. And these people wanted to start singing about Jesus. 
Joshua and Caleb wanted to start talking about scripture. This is what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. This is, this is, this is the type of, of faith that was inside Joshua and Caleb to say, hey, we're in this moment. We're, we're, we're in this moment of, of craziness and, and, and giants are everywhere and the situation is horrible and we can feel it and the, and the darkness and the anxiety and the fear and the chaos. And it was in that moment that they wanted to start to blame and they, and they couldn't figure things out. And there was Joshua and Caleb saying, hey, all things are possible to those who believe that the possibilities of your future and your life determine are determined upon what you believe. All things. If you have a a mindset that, you know what, my life is always going to look this way, and if she doesn't change, and my marriage, then then if that's what you believe, do you understand that that is what your possibility could be? And it's unfortunate. If you you feel like you're a loser and you're ugly, all things are possible. (laughs) It's a bummer, but your belief system. And it won't matter if you had a a, a total cosmetic surgery and you had a total makeover and you got all the clothes in the world and you had all these new friends and everybody came around you. Do you understand that it still wouldn't take that? It would actually take a belief system change that the possibilities of you feeling confident and the possibilities of you feeling secure are going to come from nothing on the outside. But you start to discover through the promises of God how he made you fearfully and wonderful. And you and you literally you literally reflect the glory of, of your father who's in heaven. He made you in his image. And when those start to promises get on the inside, you start to see yourself differently. And the possibility of I am not bad. I'm pretty good looking. I, I, I am. I do. I am kind of, whoa, I'm kind of a good person. I'm kind of cool. I do have personality. I do have, oh, you start to get excited and confident about you as it comes through faith and believing. And Joshua and Caleb are saying, hey, you know the pain that you're going through? The pain that you're going through is not from the problem. The weeping is not, is not from the problem. The pain is coming from the lack of promise. It's coming from the lack of promise. It's like a hunger pain. We could look at hunger pains and go, I'm dying. Why is my body attacking itself? No, it's letting you know you're hungry. You need some food. That's why Caleb said they're bread. They're bread. They're bread. We need some more word. We need some more Bible. And so like Joshua and Caleb, they're, they're representing the possibility of living a life so full of the problems. They're not saying, guys, we don't need less problems. We need more promise. The issue is not the problems. The battle is the Lord's. We have nothing to do with the problems. Those are up to God. Our problem is not the problem. Our problems with the promise. We need more promise. We need more word. We need more God. We need more presence. Our issue is with the promise and we need some more. And that's why they started quoting scripture. They said, God's going to give it to us. God's going to give it to us. Spread the word. Let's sing it. Let's dance. Let's clap. Let's worship. And Caleb represents in Joshua a moment where you get that report of cancer from the doctor and you literally go home and start to have a worship service. At the darkest hour is when Joshua and Caleb, remember Paul in prison? He said, we're going to worship now. We're going to get out our Bibles now. We're going to start to talk about the goodness of God right now. We're going to possess the promises of God right in the middle of our pain and the problem. Why? 
Because this ain't our problem. My problem's with the promise, and I'm going after my problem, which is the promise. And I want more promise. I need more promise. I'm going to sing about the promise. God's going to give this land to us. My problem is with the promise. And the pain I'm going through has nothing to do, actually, with the person who hurt me or the thing I'm going through. Joshua and Caleb actually represent the darkest moment of your life You get the bad news, you get the report, you're going through the trial, and you literally grab a hold of your Bible and start praying and prophesying and dancing and worshiping in your room, in your car, in your life. That's why they were angry. (laughs) That's why they, they weren't having church. They just got the call from the doctor. Doesn't look good. They just got fired from their job. They just got divorced. They, they just went bankrupt. They just lost their home. One of their kids just died. Like This is like the darkest moment. And Joshua and Caleb, in a spirit of love and humility and faith, they said, we got to worship. we got to get the Bible out. we got to pray for each other. It's at that moment that it reveals how much promise is in you. Because if you keep getting irritated by that, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to possess the promises of God. But when faith starts to rise up and go, man, we got to get around the promise. I need more promise. I need more promise. I need more promise. So much so that when my problems come, I will literally have a spirit of faith. That's the kind of faith that these two men had. When a problem comes your way, you can literally, literally, somehow in faith, kind of sort of be excited about what God could do and not intimidated. And not overwhelmed. You have to understand, these people were slaves. And so God was trying to take them out of a victim mentality and a slave mentality. That you're not, you're not a slave to your situation. You're not a victim to your situation. You're not a victim to your past. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in that problem or that trial. You are not subject to what you're going through. You don't need to worry about what you're going through. You just need to get a hold of the one problem you have, which is unbelief, which the problem and the promise can get a hold of. Get a hold of the promise. Thomas.